everybody. Welcome to episode number 40 of the Gold Standard Podcast, part of the Niners Nation Podcast Network. I am Rob Stats Guerrera, and with me, as always, is Levin Black. What up, Levin? Oh, I was just waiting on you to name this after a player. You didn't pick a player. Oh, I picked a player. How <laughs> dare you? This is episode 40, baby. This is the William Floyd edition of the Gold Standard Podcast, number 40, bar none, A lot of you listening probably have no idea who William Floyd is. Here's all you need to know. He was a rookie fullback in 1994, and he was picked, and I'm not making this up, with the 28th overall pick in the NFL draft. And he is the last fullback to be picked in the first round of the draft, Levin. See, I had a different guy from the years that uh, I kind of, I guess you could say, come of age as a Niners fan. When I was capable of watching the games and capable of truly understanding what was going on, early 2000s. And it's a fullback. And it's a guy who made a Pro Bowl as a fullback, Fred Beasley. A solid choice, no doubt. But, I mean, you got to give it up for William Floyd. I mean, who takes a fullback in the first round? And, by the way, he was really good. First rookie in NFL history to score three touchdowns in a single playoff game. Super Bowl champ when they beat the Chargers in 1994. Like, bar none, baby, William Floyd. And if I'm not mistaken, he appears in one of the Tecmo Bowls. Does he really? Yeah, I think he's the running back in one of the Tecmo Bowls. Can you imagine if Kyle and John Lynch drafted a fullback? Like, let's say they let Juice walk and he went to the Jets or whatever, and round one pick, bam, fullback. Wouldn't even have to be round one. I think if you went round four like he did a punter, yeah. you'd probably get a pretty bad reaction from most people. God, that's when the 49ers – can you imagine that draft? It's like, what do we need? Well, our team is loaded at every single position, so uh, I guess we'll just take a fullback in round one. <laughs> pretty sweet. In, in reality, it would probably be a tight end in college, and people would be like, why are they taking a tight end in round one? And then come to find out in training camp, he's the fullback. Yeah, well, that's I'm sure that's the Falcons' plan for Kyle Pitts, right? They're going to take him at four, make him a fullback, give him two passes a game, and work on his blocking. I thought they were going to move Julio to fullback now that he's not really needed in the passing game as much. <laughs> oh, God, I'm, I'm a little tired of the Julio stuff. At this point, like, let's let it happen or not, but let's just move on. Uh, there was a ton of stuff that came out this week to react to. There were press conferences. I mean, everybody, anybody that you'd want to hear from, except for Trey Lance, gave a press conference. Kyle Shanahan, Jimmy Garoppolo, George Kittle. They were were everywhere. Uh, There was a ton of news, so we're going to go over that. We got some health updates on Nick Bosa and D. Ford. It's May, so you know what that means. The 49ers have suffered their first major injury of the season, so we got to talk about Jeff Wilson now, who's now going to start the year on the physically unable to perform list. Plus, 11, like, seconds before we started recording, has demanded that I come up with a bold prediction to end the show because apparently you have one and now you've roped me into this. So I have to, on the fly, change the wheels of the moving car and come up with a bold prediction for the end of the show. Oh, boo-hoo. We didn't even get to do the show that I wanted to do. You said we can do it later, so deal with it. Yeah, so that we were going to do a superhero show because... Barstool Sports put out a tweet about you can pick one superhero to protect you and then all these other people will come to kill you. And Levin made the wrong choice. So we argued about that for like three hours one day. So we were going to do that. But not with all the news that came out. Uh, We want to get to the nuts and bolts here. By the way, before the end of the show, I don't know if you saw this, Levin. Somebody made a 49ers prop bet 
that could win them thousands of dollars. And I think they would have been better off just flushing their money down the toilet. So I don't know if you saw that, but I want to run that past you uh, before we go as well. Let's start with some of the news that came out from Kyle Shanahan's press conference. We'll start with him. Um, He said a bunch of things. On Nick Bosa, he said he's in Florida and he's working out with his brother and his people down there. And basically, they're just going to let him do his thing. And I thought that was fascinating because Nick Bosa has basically one year of experience and he's already getting the superstar treatment. I wouldn't say he has one year of experience. Technically, yeah, that's sort of true. But this is a football guy who grew up essentially an NFL player his entire life. Like he is not a normal young NFL player. He is a seasoned vet who knows exactly what he's doing, I would argue, considering that family and how successful they've been. I just think it's interesting that like he's so good and he's so important to the team that Kyle was basically like, you do whatever the hell you have to do. Just come back to us healthy and come back ready to go. Because like everybody knows how important he is. And so they are just like, it's almost like as a fan when you watch the game and you don't want to change positions because the team's doing well. I feel like that's where Kyle Shanahan is now with Nick Bosa. Speaking of positions, maybe it was his social media presence that Kyle was just like, you know what, you stay over there and do you with your girlfriend and whatever you want to post. We'll, we'll be over here playing football. <laughs> I hope it works, man. Whatever. Social media, like Kittle was talking about it in his press conference. He's like, I see the videos on social media. He looks good. Life is good. <laughs> Apparently they live in the same apartment complex and, and Bosa's place is like right above Kittle's. Yeah, You, you think uh, Kittle has ever had to like get the broom out and bang the ceiling? Like, shut the hell up up there. <laughs> I seriously did have that thought. Like, how old am I? That like, I'm picturing George Kittle banging a broom against the ceiling. <laughs> Maybe it just goes and knocks on the door and like, that would be an epic throwdown, those two. Oh, I, I give it to Bosa. Thousand percent. Bosa's a freak, man. Have you seen his thighs? They're like the size of my waist. Yeah, but a lot of times in the fight, it's not the biggest guy who wins. It's the guy who's willing to get down and dirty basically in the fight willing to i wouldn't say cross lines because there are no lines in a fight but the guy who's willing to do things other than just throw a punch early kittle strikes me as a guy that would probably do that he's going to do whatever it takes to win boza kind of i guess you could say grew up privileged i don't know man i think nick bosa (laughs) if you're telling me i'm in a street fight i'll take nick bosa and i'll feel pretty good about it yeah I, i think that would be an interesting one bosa is certainly bigger but like I said, big guy doesn't always win. All right. That sounds like a July podcast episode. Power <laughs> rankings of 49ers you'd want on your side in a street fight. We have to write that down. We're doing that later. <laughs> I mean, how much do you factor in their personality? Because that, that's what I'm really getting at. Like, if you're just saying they know that it's a no holds bar fight for your life fight, well, that's different because then both of going to do whatever it takes. I, I think it'd be interesting. I think there's, you know, Javon Kinlaw would be a contender. You're you're leading me down the road. We are definitely doing that episode (laughs) at some point. Um, So I thought that Kyle said that. That was interesting. We got a couple of positive health updates. Like, holy shit, imagine that. Things can go well from an injury perspective. Jalen Hurd, the mythical Jalen Hurd, is going to be ready for training camp. That'll be very fun to see. And D Ford seems to be coming along. They were a little less definitive when it came to him. But 
like for those for that one day earlier this week before before we got the Jeff Wilson news to sort of balance out the universe, things were sort of good for the 49ers from a health perspective. Not to kibosh all that, but I uh, kind of have to be realistic here. You know, D Ford looked good last year. Hey, he's going to play a game. Oh, he played one game. Like his <laughs> issue comes to the forefront when he's getting having physical contact. It's an arthritic problem. So, yeah, when he's just training and staying in good shape and rehabbing, he's not going to have as big of an issue as when he's having to plant in the ground and fight an offensive lineman. And it's a neck slash back thing, which I'm sorry, like, is never going to get all the way better. Like, he might feel 100%, but it's not 100% from a couple years ago when he was with the Chiefs. It's the new 100%, which has a lot more wear and tear on it. And so, yeah, I'm I'm more hopeful about Jalen Hurd than D Ford. What about you? I think you have to be, which is insane because Jalen Hurd has literally not played a game in his career because I don't count the preseason. But yeah, I mean, D Ford, like I said, D Ford, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets on the field and then he gets that first jam from an offensive tackle and he's like, ooh, my neck hurts again or my knee hurts. Like, <laughs> right. you know what I mean? Like, it's the type of thing that he could feel perfectly fine until he actually has somebody being physical with him or maybe it's not the first jam maybe it's the 10th jam or the 11th jam you know they're playing 17 damn games this season that's a lot of jams and the odds that he's going to hold up for all of them slim to none right whereas herd has been bad luck i don't think the question necessarily is i mean put it this way the question i would argue is more at the forefront isn't whether or not jalen Hurd can stay healthy it's whether or not he's a shell of him, his former self I mean, he's been he's been out so long at this point that he might come back. And it's I mean, it's less because he's more of an athlete, but it could be the Trent Taylor situation where like, yeah, OK, that guy's not an NFL player anymore. And honestly, like we didn't know if Jalen Hurd was an NFL player before all the injuries. Like we have no idea. We He looked good. He had some good physical skills. But I mean, I'm not going to look at two plays in the preseason against the Dallas Cowboys and be like, oh, yeah, that guy was going to be a stud. Like we still have no idea that he can play even if he was healthy. But if he can, I mean, there's a there's potential there for him to be the third wide receiver. Right. I, I think the potential for him, uh, high, high, high side, is Chase Claypool. I think that's the type of player mm. comparison he would be um, because he, he's basically a big physical wide receiver who at least had speed, but he's not necessarily a polished receiver. And we saw that with Chase Claypool. Like, he was a matchup nightmare but he didn't have any kind of route tree. He really ran posts and ran deep routes, and that was it. So hopefully we get to at least see him. Like, I at least want to see him, even if he's not any good. Like, can we just end the mystery with that? Like, one way (laughs) or the other, I just want to know about this dude. Uh, But that health update was a good one. Now, again, I mentioned the Jeff Wilson thing, so we can get into it. I mean, the 49ers injury, luck. You know, every year you say they can't possibly be as injured. And then you find out that Jeff Wilson experienced a knee injury Thursday in the locker room after a leg workout. According to John Lynch, he was sitting down talking to some teammates. He got up and as he got up and turned, he felt a pop in his knee and kind of got stuck. Turns out he has a meniscus tear and this is not like a small minor thing. He's going to be out for a significant chunk of time. He's going to likely be on PUP, which means he'd be ineligible for the first six weeks 
of the regular season. The recovery time for the surgery is placed at four to six months, Levin. Yeah, let's put it this way. It's a very big question mark if he returns because I think he has to return at six weeks or they have to make a choice um, and put him out the rest of the year. And that's right in that four to six month window. So chances are he's not going to be healthy enough, not going to be back into great shape, not going to have the strength built up to where they're going to waste a roster spot on him. I would I would put it if I had to bet that he is not playing the this whole year. And all of a sudden, the two running backs the 49ers took in the draft are looking pretty, pretty, pretty good in Trey Sermon and Elijah Mitchell. Trey Sermon, I mean, Levin, correct me if you think I'm wrong, but I mean, you he's in RB2 right now. Like, pencil him in, right? I would say very, very likely. I do like Gallman. I really liked that signing. I think he's a very good vet. He did extremely well filling in last year with Saquon Barkley out. <laughs> Saquon. <man>. Saquon. <laughs> you have the weirdest thing with pronunciations. Like, you're putting the emphasis on the wrong syllable. <laughs> that was pretty talented there. It's because I uh, wouldn't say lazy, but I'm used to being handed a pronunciation key card before a game to where I can sit and cheat. It's Saquon Barkley. He's a pretty famous running back. He was the second overall pick a few years ago. people mispronounce? Like, you watch ESPN. They will mispronounce it. Half the people still say Saquon. No, they don't. Who says Saquon? You are the only one. I'm putting out a poll on Twitter. (laughs) How do you pronounce this person's name? And I guarantee you, nobody says Saquon. (laughs) Put put that up there with no bias. Just say, how do you pronounce his, his name? And I... I would bet you get at least 20% voting incorrectly. Oh, my God. You're out of your mind. But anyway, you like Wayne Gallman. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's the main point here. (laughs) (laughs) God, Saquon, Jason Verrett. I mean, I'm going to start to put together a list. And then, you know what? I'll hand you the pronunciation sheet before the show every week. Hey, this is a 49ers thing because it was Terrell or Terrell. For how long? Yeah, I feel like he didn't tell anybody. Yeah. yeah. That's because he wanted Tio. He wanted his personality. Turned out pretty good for him. Yeah, yeah. Quite well, I would argue. It's a shame that he couldn't continue to get a, an opportunity because I think if he didn't have the rep that he has, he would have been the oldest wide receiver in league history. Yeah, he might have. Hell, he might still be playing. Let's be honest. The dude's a freak. He ran um, a four four forty. The, the uh, what was it last year before the season? I think. I mean, what a monster! Um, by the way, speaking of wide receivers, uh, just going back to something Kyle Shanahan said, he threw this in like this was at the end of one of his answers talking about wide receivers. But he said he's looking forward to Debo and Ayuk, and he named them specifically, taking the next step, taking a step forward was his exact quote. Kyle was not afraid, even after his good games, to criticize Brandon Ayuk last year. He would flat out say, like, there are things he needs to get better at. And I found it interesting that he specifically named them. I I almost wonder if the 49ers were a little dissatisfied with what they saw from those guys last year. And for Kyle to kind of throw that out there, like, okay, guys, we're looking for you to, you know, show us what you've been working on. I thought that was kind of interesting. I mean, he's done that with every single young wide receiver he's had, in my opinion. 
He's always highly critical of any wide receiver that he spends draft capital on. It's just his MO. Now, maybe it's because the people he's drafted have dissatisfied him legitimately, like Dante Pettis, but who knows? I mean, Ayuk looked good to me last year. I think he has a big breakout year. I think he has a year that puts him in that conversation with other wide receivers in his class that had more recognition as rookies. You know why he's so hard on receivers, right? Because Kyle was a wide receiver at Texas. So I I almost wonder if, like, Kyle thinks that he knows, you know, a lot about wide receivers and playing wide receiver, and so he holds those guys to a higher standard. Probably. Same with, like, quarterback, because he coaches son, who was known for knowing quarterbacks, and then he was a wide receiver who knows the quarterback position better than any other other than quarterbacks themselves, a wide receiver. I could picture a world now where somehow Ayuk ends up in that Dante Pettis doghouse no. after another year of whatever, somehow being dissatisfied. I don't see it. There are so many people that are like, I mean, you were on Ayuk early, but now after last year, there are a lot of people that think he's like stud, like right behind Justin Jefferson in terms of the best receivers in the class, like, I kind of want to hold off a little bit. Let me see it from Ayuk. And I know he had terrible quarterback play last year, so I fully admit that maybe he is as good as a lot of people say. But I remember a lot of people saying some really good things about Dante Pettis too. So let's just see. That's all I'm saying. I mean, I don't think anybody can really be put in the Justin Jefferson category after the rookie year he had. So Justin Jefferson, until proven otherwise, is in a category by himself. I would argue CeeDee Lamb is actually not that far behind and is clearly number two. His rookie year, people just completely did not see, and he had bad quarterback play too. But then after that, I think that there's a lot of really good potential Pro Bowl caliber wide receivers, and Ayuk is right there where if somebody said he's number three, I wouldn't really have an issue with it. You know, I I think you probably just because of the stats he put up have to say Chase Claypool because he had 10 plus TDs but I wouldn't have a problem I think Ayuk's skill level is right there and that's why I said I think he has a breakout year I want to say that CeeDee Lamb was the other receiver that Kyle liked like his two favorite receivers in that class I think were Ayuk and CeeDee Lamb it's very possible we'll we'll never probably know I mean, Kyle is honest every once in a while. He says something like, wow, I can't believe he actually said that. I (laughs) doubt he says, I doubt he outright says that. But uh, yeah, I mean, CeeDee Lamb has a lot of what Kyle Shanahan likes in a wide receiver. He is in that mold. I mean, I think it's pretty clear now that Shanahan has a certain mold because I would say physically, Brandon Ayuk and Dante Pettis are pretty similar. Caught you off guard with that, didn't I? You're compare. I mean, now the nightmares are going through my head. That's for sure. <laughs> I mean, um, just just physical. Which wide receiver? I would argue the physical aspect of wide receiver is less so than at some other positions because it's really route running and being able to um, get past a DB if he's doing press. I mean, that, that's a lot of it. If you can't beat the press, you're going to get pressed every single snap. And if you don't run good routes then all you have is athleticism after that. And there's plenty of great athleticism at the defensive backs. I have deliberately waited to talk about the quarterbacks because I know people get all bent out of shape when you talk about the quarterbacks. Like, 
as if they're not the most important part of the team. But the 49ers have a quarterback controversy. One of the people involved in that controversy spoke this week, and he spoke specifically about his reaction when he found out that the 49ers traded up from 12 to number three in the draft. So we'll let you hear that when we come back and discuss another couple of little nuggets that Kyle threw in about the quarterbacks. All right, Levin. So Jimmy Garoppolo spoke to the media this week, and he was asked, because I believe it's the first time that he's talked to them since the trade-up and the draft of Trey Lance and all that. He was asked about his reaction after he found out about the Niners making the big move, and he was asked specifically, did you consider demanding a trade? Here's what he said. When it initially happened, there's a million emotions that go on throughout your head, and you think of all the possible scenarios and things like that. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I want to play football. I want to go out there and win games. That's what I do. And so um, it wasn't anything too crazy. It took a little while to get, to get you know, process everything. But, you know, once I did, it was just go out there and ball. I actually like that answer, Levin, because I, part of me was wanting to see a little fight from Jimmy Garoppolo, like a little bit of like, hey, this is my team. You're not going to replace me. Like you can take this team out of my cold, dead fingers kind of a thing. And so I like at first that he thought about demanding a trade and then said, you know what, I'm just going to come back and play really well and then force them to play me. He, he didn't really show a lot of fight and a lot of like passion until now. And so I kind of like that answer from Jimmy. It's kind of a fine line, too, that you have to walk, because if you come out too strongly and flat out say, this is my team, you know, I'm the leader of this team, that doesn't go over too well normally, because it, it, it's seen as, I don't know, almost like a dog marking its territory, when in reality, you should be professionals, you know what I mean? Like, they would see that as somebody who's not going to help Trey Lance, and is not going to be a team player, it's all about him. And we've seen that with some players who are in Jimmy's situation where they do come out too strongly. And guess what? They tend to get moved <laughs> because it's it's not something you want to allow to kind of fester in a locker room. He did throw in. Did you catch that little quick line too? He said, I want to come here and win games. That's what I do. I thought that was kind of like his subtle way of reminding people like, hey, when I start, this team wins like 70% of the time or whatever the actual number is. I like that he threw that in there. It's a little fight. It's some onions from Jimmy Garoppolo. And, you know, maybe that's what he, maybe the drafting of Lance will have that sort of kick in the ass effect. Yeah, but why do you care? You've been on this train that moved Jimmy. Get rid of him. So why do you care? Because (laughs) it doesn't seem like they're going to right now. And it seems like he's going to start the year as the quarterback. And so, look, I'm a 49ers fan. I want whoever's in there to play well. I don't, you know, if it's Trey Lance, I think that the the odds are better that it's the person that's going to play well is Trey Lance. But if Jimmy starts, like, of course I'm rooting for him to do well. (laughs) So there would be no disappointment there if, say, the Niners are doing well going into the bye week and Jimmy has played so well that there's no chance of Lance getting to play as a rookie. I mean, I... I guess I kind of would feel like a twinge, right? Like, cause like yeah. we traded up and it was a whole big thing. But as long as the team is winning, like, do you really care who's starting no. a quarterback? No, I'm the one that said Jimmy's going to be around that. I thought Jimmy was going to be around. Once we started getting closer to the draft and they traded up, I thought, you know, I said on here, like, okay, I think Jimmy probably does get moved. You know, we, we had that draft show where I didn't raise my hand cause I didn't think Jimmy would be on the team after they traded three firsts. But 
you know, I, I was wrong then, right before. So shame on me for <laughs> waffling, I guess. But, you know, it does seem like Jimmy is definitely going to be here at least to start the season, or I should say at least to start training camp. I do think that if Trey Lance comes in and is the real deal and right away in training camp shows he's as good or damn close to Jimmy already, I think, you know, if it if it's to the point where Trey Lance is going to start, there's no point of keeping Jimmy at that point. I thought it was interesting that Garoppolo said specifically that he's done things this offseason to try and like build up his body, put on a little weight, essentially to help him stay healthy. And my first reaction was like, "What took so long, dude? You haven't made out of you haven't made it out of three of the last four Septembers. Like now you're bulking up, trying to get right to 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 last the whole season. Damn, dude, you're a couple years too late." All right, I guess this is going to be me just uh, throwing it back in your face, episode Rob. Because what didn't we do an episode what last week where you were saying, "Dang, he looks chubby. He looks bigger than he should be." He does look bigger than he should be. <laughs> <laughs> apparently well not not bigger than he should be because apparently now it's by design i just thought it was interesting that like he came out and said oh i'm done you know i've done stuff this year to strengthen my body and i'm just wondering like why the hell haven't you done that stuff in previous years considering your injury history maybe he didn't think he needed to maybe he thought being slim and being able to move would help more and didn't realize that no you're playing against guys that are always going to be much, much bigger than you and can hit you much, much harder than you can hit them. <laughs> God, that is the frustrating thing. Like, he doesn't move, though. He doesn't move at all. Not it, was, it was maddening. I, you know, every once in a while, I'll have some free time and I'll go back and just watch some of the games. And it's like, even last year, there were a couple of plays where, like, Mullins would roll out, extending the play and make a nice throw and find somebody that comes open. And it was like, why do we only have that once a game? Like, how how did the 49ers in 2020 assemble a room full of quarterbacks that were incapable of doing that? You know, I, I really wonder how much blame and whether all of it falls on Jimmy for that. Because he certainly gets happy feet. He has certainly uh, been affected by his injuries to where he, he is. I, I don't know if it scared is fair to say, but seems fair that he's scared to get hit he wants that ball out before he gets hit but I also wonder how much it is that Kyle saw how bad the season goes when he's hurt he goes I'm not rolling out that guy I'll roll out Mullins because if he gets hurt you know (laughs) oh well it's the backup anyways but I wonder how much Kyle truly was I'm not letting Jimmy get hit because he's been injured before yeah how well did that work out though exactly (laughs) It didn't really. You can't sit and call plays in fear of injuries. But I do think at least a little bit probably is Kyle not wanting to call bootlegs with Jimmy because he doesn't want Jimmy to get hit back when the backups were Mullins and Beathard. Now, I think that does change. You can roll out Jimmy because if he gets hit and gets hurt, oh, well, Trey Lance time. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm, I'm not wishing injury on anybody, but that's the easiest solution to this quote-unquote problem for the 49ers, right? Instead of having to choose between the guy in Garoppolo who's won a lot of games but can't stay healthy or the potential of Trey Lance, the the easy way out for the 49ers is, well, we start Jimmy to you know give Trey a chance to get his bearings a little bit, and then Garoppolo gets hurt. So then Kyle has no choice but to throw Trey Lance in there 
and he he's he avoids sort of that criticism and having to kind of make that choice. That's the easy way out for the Niners. I mean, th- there is a lot of potential scenarios. Some great, some not great. I mean, this could become a real mess. If let's say Jimmy starts the season, does really well, the team's like 4-0, then all just going out on a limb here, let's say he gets an ankle injury and Trey Lance comes in and struggles his first couple games, but then turns it on and starts playing at a pretty good level and the team starts winning again, but they overall, he doesn't have the stats that Jimmy did and the team was 4-0 with Jimmy, but you're at the end of the year and you're in a divisional play hunt. That could be a very, very hard decision to make that could be you know the storyline of the season is do you stick with the rookie who's clearly improving or do you go to the vet who was doing great it's a cloud right now it's like a cloud that is hovering over the team they're trying to have a picnic it might rain it might not they don't really know i hate that i like definitive answers like when I was unemployed, when I got laid off in May and I was applying for jobs, I hate the in-between. I would rather click like submit application and know instantly whether I got the job, even if you told me nine times out of 10, you weren't going to have the job, than to click submit and have to wait, wait for an email, wait for a call back. I hate that. I hate uncertainty. Even if the news is bad, give it to me right away. <laughs> Uh, I don't know anybody that likes uncertainty, but I do get what you're saying. You know, the thing I hate about applying for jobs is the damn stupid applications. This is going to be a tangent here, but (laughs) some of the applications to companies are so asinine. Like, who created this? What HR person created this? And where can I donkey punch them to get payback? (laughs) Because it's so stupid. (laughs) Well, you deserve a donkey punch, my friend, because you showed a lot of disrespect to the 49ers quarterbacks. Because I don't know if you're aware of this, but they have five quarterbacks on the roster right now. <laughs> and you were talking about starters, and you only threw out Trey Lance or Jimmy Garoppolo. You didn't mention any of the other guys. And I bring this up because, according to Darren Ravel, whose tweets normally I would never read, but I saw this one, and so I thought it was worth bringing up to you, a better in Illinois just bet $1,000 that Josh Rosen will be the starter in week one over Jimmy G and over Trey Lance. If that somehow happens, Levin, this guy or woman wins $33,000. And I think that they would have been better off taking that $1,000 and flushing it down the toilet because I can't see any possible scenario where Josh Rosen is suiting up for the Niners in week one against the Lions. 33,000? That's not even good odds. That's like extreme long shot. That's like 1,000 to 1 odds that you should be getting. Like 33 to 1 that the guy who has not started, who barely was only on the team due to injuries last year, who was on a practice squad because nobody wanted him to begin last season, is going to be a starter. That should be bare minimum 200 to 1. And I would argue is the ultimate long shot of 1,000 to 1. Like, he might even make the team. Right. That's I don't understand this bet. Like, what like, was going through? Are you like, is, was that Mrs. Rosen? I don't even know if he's married, but like, wh- who else could have been this attached to Josh Rosen that they would take a thousand dollars and bet it? Like, I literally thought you were going to be saying something, you know, in the close to a million range. 
winning and i was gonna make a joke like what's he gonna do nancy kerrigan training camp <laughs> but then you said thirty three thousand. i was just like what like what hedge hedge fund child bet this you know what hedge fund kid who a thousand dollars means nothing to them decided yeah what the heck and why like wh- there are so many other like long shot bets you could make in the nfl even i'm sure 49ers bets this one just seems so random. I had to reread the tweet like three times before I saved it because I was I didn't believe it was true. Yeah, that, that that's mind-boggling. And it's going to be even more mind-boggling come September when we're like, oh, my God, it's happening. <laughs> <laughs> that son of a bitch just won $33,000. <laughs> All I'll say is this, dude. If you've got 1000 bucks you want to throw away, please contact me. My email's in my Twitter bio, man. Hit me up. I will take it. <laughs> I mean, like I said, there there's so many better long shots with better odds. Like if you want like just a true crazy long shot, fine, pick a crazy long shot, but not with 33 to 1 odds. That's just I like I said, it's mind-boggling. I can't even make sense of it. Like I like I'm just trying to put myself in the guy's shoe. He's like, I got a thousand dollars. I want to bet somewhere I can win big money. Oh, here's something that's almost definitely not gonna happen. I can win 33 to one. All right. Like what? Right. If you're going to bet a long shot, bet 50 to one, hundred to one, something like that. Like really, if if it's going to hit, like you might as well make it really worth your while. And if you had a thousand bucks to just flush down the toilet, 33,000 is your winnings is probably really not that much money to you. Yeah. Like you're better off doing like a 10 team parlay or something crazy. Oh, one other quarterback note that I wanted to mention before we left. Um, John Lynch did an interview, and I'm not sure where. I don't know if it was on the radio or a podcast or what. But, he, you know, every once in a while, John Lynch, like, I don't know if he forgets where he is or he blacks out or something, but he gives you this, like, 30 to 40 seconds of raw, like, uncut honesty. And he was talking about the 49ers and Trey Lance, and he said that on the plane ride back, after the Justin Fields pro day, Kyle Shanahan is like scribbling away on the iPad. Like he's doing all this work. He's like grinding. And John Lynch is like, what are you doing? And Kyle Shanahan goes, here, look at this. And Lynch looks at it and it's all new plays that he's designed specifically for Trey Lance. So literally after the Justin Fields pro day on the plane ride home after Fields crushed it at the pro day, by the way, had an amazing pro day. Like Kyle was so into Lance that he was already like diagramming and scheming up plays. And yet there's very well-known blue checkmark national media people that would still claim that it was Mac Jones the whole way until <laughs> right at the end. Sorry, I had to go there. Oh, I'm fine with Look, anytime you want to rub people's noses in it, I'm not above that. I think that's been made clear by now. Like what's been made clear is Kyle texted or called Lynch in January about Trey Lance and said, watch this kid's film. I want him. They then worked tr- to, to uh, try to trade up pretty much from the next morning when Lynch went, oh, my God, this kid is it. <laughs> and then you have literally, I mean, let's call it what it is. Lynch is admitting that the J- Justin Fields second pro day was a smokescreen. If he, if Kyle is making plays for Trey Lance, which, by the way, was would have been before Trey Lance's second pro day. It means his mind was made up. But like when you hear that, how can you listen to that and then think, yeah, they're going to go with Jimmy for the whole year? 
Like if Kyle was so excited that he was scribbling up plays on an iPad on the plane ride home from a from Justin Fields Pro Day, you really think he's going to keep that guy on the bench for the entire year or even in week one? Like, I, I don't know. When I hear that, it makes me think that he wants to start Trey Lance and he's looking for any reason to start Trey Lance. No, I think he certainly wants to start Trey Lance. It all just depends. Like Trey Lance, from early reports, is truly a savant when it comes to the mental aspect of quarterbacking, which I've said time and again is, to me, the number one factor in how good you are as a quarterback. Because plenty of quarterbacks who aren't that great of an arm or below average arms ended up being phenomenal Hall of Fame quarterbacks because of their ability to process the game and understand the ins and outs and be able to, instead of see it and react, just be able to be almost like a sixth sense and be a split second ahead of the play because it it just comes naturally. If he's that, he's going to start. If he's not, Kyle's going to try to set him up for success, which would probably be after the bye week. Or if he's just not it, somehow he's not started. <laughs> and Kyle threw it out there basically in his press conference. He said like they're plan right now what they're doing is they're just throwing a crap ton at Trey Lance like as much as they can because they want to see when he comes back in a month or so for training camp how much sticks and you know there's a lot of talk like about the pre-draft process and how it's like one long job interview and everything you do is being evaluated well he's in a different job interview now he's at his company but he's still in a job interview And everything Trey Lance does from now up until the start of the season is going to go into that bucket when they have to decide who to start. So I think that they are throwing all this stuff at him and they want to see when he comes back in training camp. I think that'll be a big measuring stick of how much, you know, where is this guy mentally? How much has he retained? How much did he get? Was he overwhelmed? And I think that'll go a long way into like determining how much of a head start Jimmy Garoppolo actually has in this quarterback race. You know what might be the best possible thing Trey Lance can do for himself between now and training camp? What's that? Rent out the apartment beneath George Kittle. (laughs) (laughs) So then does he bang on Kittle's ceiling to get him to tell Bosa to shut the hell up? (laughs) No, he bangs on the ceiling and says, get down here, run plays with me. (laughs) I'm sure Kittle probably would. I could picture them like in the living room, moving the furniture out of the way to organize some sort of like walkthrough. I could just picture like Kittle inviting uh jimmy over for drinks and jimmy opens the door and trey lance just sitting there on the couch like hey what's up dude (laughs) (laughs) what the hell is that son of a bitch doing here (laughs) oh god all right uh you threw out a request for questions so before we go i want to make sure we answer those because we always say if you ask us a question we will answer it on the show this one comes from at tennessee niner fan a lot of talk about quarterbacks wide receivers cornerbacks and both lines does anyone think we're not set as linebacker as we'd like? Warner is a beast, but Greenlaw and Al Shair are average at best. That's something that Leo Luna and Niner Nate brought up on earlier in the week on the Niner Nation podcast. And they were talking about thinnest positions. Linebacker is kind of thin, Levin. Yeah, I mean, I think if, if Fred Warner misses any time, the Niners go from one of the better linebacking cores to one of the worst linebacking cores. Like it all hinges on having what's probably the best linebacker in the entire league right now, because I do think Greenlaw is pretty average. Greenlaw is also somebody that I would argue 
shouldn't get a second contract unless he improves, which he certainly could because he's still young. But he's somebody that is only average because he's extremely athletic for the position. He's pretty good in coverage because he can mess up and still be there, unlike most <laughs> linebackers. And in terms of run game, he's below average, but he makes up for it because of his speed to a certain degree. But if you connect the dots between the two, what he's bad at is recognition. And that's hard to get better at, really. Like kind of second, third year, you are what you are in terms of that, which means once his athleticism goes, he's going to go pretty quickly on a down downward spiral, which is why I would argue he probably shouldn't get a second contract unless he improves. Plus, I mean, if you are not improving your recognition after a couple of years in the league and Fred Warner on your team, like <laughs> it ain't never going to come, man. Fred Warner is, I mean, the dude is incredible. He's great. I've never seen a linebacker. I shouldn't say never, but like his coverage skills for a middle linebacker, that's insanity. He allowed, I think Kyle Posey mentioned it this week, he allowed basically like a 50% completion percentage in coverage. That is, you're not even allowed to touch the damn receivers, and he's a 50-50 guy. Like, that blew me away. Yeah, I mean, like I said, he's probably the best linebacker in the league. And being a really good coverage linebacker is as important as it has ever been in the NFL, so that boosts him even more. Next question comes from Nick Adams, who says, did you guys see Chris Sims' quarterback rankings going into the 2021 season? I did. You smirked, Levin, so I assume that you did as well. If you didn't, just to let everybody know, Chris Sims had Trey Lance at number 38, I believe, on the quarterback list. Was it 38? I thought it was 36, and he had Fields at 38. Okay, I may, I might have had that confused. I, I apologize if I did. Um that, that's right. the only part I saw was a he- those two headlines on Twitter. So, and I didn't want to click because it would just annoy the hell out of me. I went and I listened to it. Um, you're right. I think he had Fields at 38, Lance at 36. Um, and his his big criticism of Trey Lance was that he's got a couple of mechanical issues that cause his throws to get a little wonky at times. Uh, he was also really big on the inexperience, which is kind of like, I'm getting a little tired of that. Like the dude did have the num- the same number of starts in college as Mac Jones. And I know Mac Jones was in the SEC, but like how many extra games would Trey Lance have had to start before you would say that he has as much experience as Mac Jones? You know, like what's the what's the conversion of games at North Dakota State to SEC? Is it 2 to 1? Is it 3 to 1? Like I'm a little tired of the inexperience thing. Um but I, I thought Chris was consistent with Lance. That's He said that about him all the time. Um, he said that Lance has a, strong, a better arm than Fields because when Lance really rears back to let it rip, he can control it, whereas he thinks Justin Fields is basically like a, a fire hose. Like, he doesn't know where the hell it's going. So the whole reason I smirked is it's pretty rare for a highly touted, drafted early quarterback as a rookie to be so bad he's backup quality. Do you know how bad the backups are in the NFL? <laughs> like, Yes, I do. <laughs> I'm keenly aware of that. Like, Look at some of the worst starters in the NFL, and you go, there's no way those guys are that bad because at the very least they have their athleticism to make some differences. You know what I mean? Like Mitch Trubisky is considered a big bust. I would argue he was never the 36th best quarterback in the league. You know what I mean? Like, He's a bust, but he's somewhere in that 20 to 30 gulf of just not good enough to where you don't want to keep them around. 
Like it, it just made me smirk because there's no way they're that bad. Their athleticism makes it impossible. Right. So if he's at 36, what you're saying is there are four backup quarterbacks that are better than he is. Yeah. They, like that's why I didn't click because I didn't want to see the backups. There has to be backups in front of them to be at 36. So like I, I don't want to click and see CJ Beathard ahead of him or something like that. Uh, you know, I'm well, sure CJ Beathard isn't one of them. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like I, I don't want to see somebody like that. I don't want to see Taysom Hill above him. I bet Taysom Hill is above him on his list. Well, then Chris is going to get a text for me. Let me tell you that we will be having a con- <laughs> if he puts Taysom Hill ahead of Trey Lance. I'm getting him on the show, and we and I will yell at him. <laughs> that is a promise. I would. I mean, do you think he has Taysom Hill 37 or lower? I don't. Yeah, you're right. I mean, he might be ahead of he might be ahead of Trey Lance. That is. <laughs> We're, that that is happening. Then I have to. I, I cannot allow this this blasphemy to stand. Like no, no. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I got my Taysom Hill mention for you. So before we go, you wanted to each of us to issue some bold predictions for the 49ers season, and you're making me do this. You're roping me into this because you apparently have had some sort of epiphany, and you have a bold prediction which I will hold against you the second it turns out not to be true. But lay it on me. All right. So I got I got this bold prediction as of now, which I, I think definitely constitutes a bold prediction, and it's timely because of what we talked about with Jeff Wilson. My bold prediction is Trey Sermon leads the team, not in rushing yards, uh, that's possible, but my prediction is, is he leads in rushing attempts. I don't think Mostert leads in rushing attempts. I think Mostert will be the change of pace as the season progresses because he's that speed guy and it'll be Sermon that gets a lot more of the bulk of the carries. You know, I could see Sermon's getting, you know, 10 to 15, Mostert's getting 8 to 10, and then they mix in the other guys. I don't think that's that bold. Like, I think that that's a really accurate prediction. Like, I think that especially with the Wilson injury – all roads lead to Trey Sermon at running back for the 49ers. You don't you don't think it's bold to say that he gets more carries than Mostert? Mostert's always hurt, man. I mean, even if I think the point you're making is that even if Mostert stayed healthy, he would still that Sermon would still get more touches, but I think that Mostert, I mean, he, hurt guys get hurt. That's just that generally holds the form. I know Jason Verrett was a rare exception last year, but over the long haul, hurt guys get hurt. And I love Raheem Mostert. He's amazing when he's on the field, but he's always banged up. There's a reason the 49ers spent two draft picks on running backs. I think all roads lead to Trey Sermon. I wouldn't be stunned if he led in attempts and yardage and touchdowns, to be honest with you, rushing touchdowns. Okay, okay. So before you get to yours, I do have another bold one that I was saving for later because this is super early, but I'm willing to go out on this limb. I think Ayuk has the most receiving yards of anybody since Bolden, which means he has more receiving yards than Michael Crabtree ever had for the 49ers, which would be 1,105. So this year, you're saying single season? Yes, correct. That is a lot of faith in Ayuk, man. And you've been on the Ayuk train since the second he was drafted. Right away in training camp last year, you said, I think Ayuk is already the best receiver on the 49ers. And by the way, to your credit, you were 100% right. So I'm going to give you credit on that one, and you have not jumped off the ship. No. And with 
my track record lately, I mean, eventually this is going to blow up my face, but with my track record lately, that means you should be drafting Brandon Ayuk in fantasy because I've been on it to tout, to pat my own shoulder. But like I said, eventually it's going to blow up in my face and I'm going to be dead wrong on a number of things in a row. But until that happens, listen to me. <laughs> All right. How's this for a bold? I'm skipping over that last part. How's this for a bold prediction? The person who leads the 49ers in rushing touchdowns will be Trey Lance. Uh, that's certainly a bold prediction. I could see it, but I also don't. I, until I, the way I, I am approaching the Trey Lance and Kyle using him as a runner in anything is until I see it, I won't believe it because Kyle doesn't like his quarterbacks getting hit. No, but. I think that when you look at who they drafted at guard, they drafted two massive guards. And you look at Lance, who's, what, 6'4", 225 pounds, around there. He's going to use him in the ground game, I'm convinced, at least in the red zone. I'm convinced of that. But also, it's hard in the red zone, especially for this offense. There's not as much room. You have to make throws into much tighter windows in the red zone. Trey Lance does not strike me as a guy who's willing to jam the ball into tight spots. He protects the football. So I think even though Kyle may not design specific plays for him in the red zone as much as you might think, I think that if Lance drops back, a lot of times he's going to be like, oh, crap, I don't see anything. Screw it. I'm just taking off. And I think he'll scramble for touchdowns because that's always his get-out-of-jail-free card is if if the shit hits the fan, just run, dude. And in the red zone especially – I think Lance is going to end up leading the 49ers in rushing touchdowns. It's certainly possible that they use him in the Cam Newton role. I mean, that would make a lot of sense. I think it would probably be highly effective. It's just like I said, until I see Kyle literally calling a play that's going to get his quarterback hit, I'm not going to believe he's going to do it with any kind of regularity. Did you know that the 49ers did not have the quarterback sneak in the playbook until Jimmy Garoppolo got to the team? I did not know it wasn't in the playbook. It is something that should be called more often because Jimmy Garoppolo learned from the best. Tom Brady is probably the best QB sneaker of all time, which is an odd thing to say, but he's done it so many times that it's actually worth calling him that. You know what I mean? Like It's not really done enough with other quarterbacks to really say it. But Tom Brady will get one to two yards every freaking time he QB sneaks. And Jimmy Garoppolo, when the few times he's done it, looks just like Tom Brady doing it. Yeah, he. Um, so basically the, the story I heard was that it wasn't in the playbook and it was one of the games that Jimmy Garoppolo started, one of the five games he started at the end of the year in 2017. And the ball was at like the one-yard line and the defense was kind of disorganized. So Jimmy just literally called everybody back to the line of scrimmage and snapped the ball and just kept it himself and ran it in. And and uh, somebody asked him about it, and he was like, yeah, no, that, that quarterback sneak is not even in our playbook. I just did it on my own. And now, obviously, they do it with him quite often, and they're usually successful with it. I just thought that was amazing that, like, you talk about Kyle not wanting to get his quarterbacks hit. He didn't even have that play. It wasn't allowed, basically, until Jimmy just did it anyway. Can we get that Jimmy back? Like right. that that's the nothing to lose, Jimmy. That was the Jimmy that said, I'm fighting for my for a, a job here. Can we see that again this year, Jimmy? Because if we see that again, that's when Jimmy was at his best, when he just let it go. He didn't sit and get caught up in 
And part of this, I do think, is on Kyle. He can get caught up on being perfect. Kyle, I think, is a little too uh, hard on his quarterback at times to where he gets in their heads. When I heard that, I remember thinking, like, we might have something here with this Garoppolo guy. Like, little things like that where he basically was like, screw this. The ball's on the one-yard line. I'm taking control here and and just, you know – rising above the coaching instead of handing it off or anything like that. Like there were a lot of little things like that, that I heard about Jimmy early on in his tenure with the 49ers that I really like bought in. I really thought like we finally found our guy. Now, ultimately it hasn't worked out like that, but I always did appreciate that story. Yeah. Way to end on a downer note. Cause I think all of us bought in on Jimmy. And I think that's part of the reason why so many people are still so attached to him, right? Because we 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 bought in, we bit the hook. It's still stuck in a lot of people's cheeks, basically, and we don't want to give it up and let it go. Um, and we'll find out, you know, maybe this year with Trey Lance there, Jimmy's like, screw it, I don't have anything to lose anyway, and we start to see him play more like that. Maybe that happens, but that was a guy that I was really hopeful for at the time, and it did not uh, come to fruition. Sad tear. One more note before we go. Uh, Chris Sims had uh, Trey, or Justin Fields ahead of Trey Lance in his draft rankings, yet he has them reversed in his preseason rankings. Just, just pointing that out. Okay. Maybe he <laughs> maybe he factored in team fit. Like that could be – that's a legitimate reason, I think. Y- yes and no. Like Justin Fields is going to be the starter. Yeah, but Matt Nagy's going to be his coach. <laughs> I don't think Matt Nagy's that bad offensively. I do. He's, I mean, not, Matt, he's not Adam Gase. He he made a pro bowler out of Trubisky. He's not Adam Gase. That's the lowest bar ever. Dude, I'm not Adam Gase. I mean, shit. <laughs> he's not Adam Gase. What a compliment. I mean, he at least knows where to look at the camera. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, the fact that that was never explained... Like, how is that not the first question in the next press conference? How is that not the first question after he did it? Hey, Adam, what drugs are you on right now? (laughs) What are you doing? There's no explanation. Well, I don't want to say the guy was on drugs. We don't have any evidence to back that up. But something was up. Maybe he was just super nervous. I don't know. But I never saw him do that in any other press conference. But it was just never explained. It was just like, yeah, remember that really weird Adam Gase thing? Yeah, when, that's what I'm getting at. Like, he could have had a prescription for, like, anti-anxiety pills. I mean, it's his first press conference in, to the New York media. He might have taken something that he hadn't taken before, had a prescription for it, and it caused loopy eyes or googly eyes or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> loopy eyes. Yes, I believe that's the clinical definition for what Adam Gates was suffering from in his first press conference for the Jets. Man, we got to some weird places today. I did not. We got Adam Gates. We got you donkey punching people. It was a weird show. Don't forget Taysom Hill. Oh, good. Oh, I've forgotten him already. Believe me. Uh, that's going to do it for this edition of the Gold Standard Podcast. Again, we remind you, please subscribe, rate, review to the Niners Nation podcast feed. You'll get this show. You'll get all the great shows we do. We are going to do the superhero episode, I promise. We are going to do, apparently, the street fight episode. Now we have to power rank the 49ers in terms of street fighting ability. So that's gonna it's going to be a fun summer here, the Gold Standard Podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>